How could one's vision be anything other than staggered at the little signs beginning to emerge of a story that we can't tell, we don't know how to tell, because it doesn't fit into any of our patterns of beginnings and endings. Something new has been created, a new form of relating that didn't exist before, because God has dwelt in death and made it non-toxic. That's from by, by James Alphon from that very great uh, essay, Staggered Vision. It's really wonderful. I love it. Yeah. Hey, it's uh, the, the second Sunday of the Easter season. Good time to be listening to the House of Mercy podcast. Thanks for listening and welcome. Yeah, um, and... Uh, Man, so great to see so many people, all of you who came out for Easter, um, outside, in person, socially distanced, uh, but it was, it, was, it, was, it was fantastic. It was just really great to be with people again. Thanks so much, everyone, for coming, and thanks for everyone that made it possible, and Good Friday, too. Thanks to all the writers. It was great. I, yeah, and if you missed though, you can still listen. You can, um, you know, up on the podcast, you can listen to uh, the Good Friday service and also um, a, a recording podcast is up of the Easter service as well. And uh, boy, it was just, it, it, it was so great. The weather was perfect. And um, Dan Newton's Cafe Accordion Orchestra was fantastic. So awesome. Sounded so good. And I want to just thank everybody because, you know, um, we were raising money right before um, everything shut down for a new PA. And we raised that money, thanks to everybody who contributed, and then we just really didn't have any place to use it. But for the first time, the whole full uh, system was there, and, I mean, the sound was, was fantastic. So thank you for that. Hey, can I just tack on asking for money generally to that little thing? Oh, sure, yeah. Thank you. Show a sign of success. And then yeah. um, ask for more, promising, applying <laughs> more success based on giving. That is, Debbie, uh, I, that business school really paid off for you. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I am a business whiz. <laughs> no, but we're really grateful for everybody's ongoing support. If you... Um, would like to support House of Mercy, we can always use that. And you can do that by going to the website and clicking giving or something. What does that button say? Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's give, the give button, contributions. Uh, it's right there. Um, of course, you always could uh, send a check in the mail. The address is on the website as well. But, yeah, we're so grateful. We couldn't be doing this, obviously, without you. We are coming up in May. Um, the first week of May on our 25th year, uh, and uh, that has all been uh, able to happen. This beautiful community from the support financially and all the other artistic 
and sweat contributions. Is that what you say? No. Hard work. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We're so grateful for the House of Mercy community. So grateful. Okay, I do want to mention three of those long years. Today's, you know, typically the least attended Sunday of the year, the week after Easter. Um, and it was true. Nobody's, nobody's here at the church. And, uh, <laughs> but I have a vintage sermon up today from 2010. It's the second year of the Obama administration. And it's from when we met at Emmanuel up on Snelling. You remember that? Cause, yeah. And I mention that because you can hear, the, you can hear everybody in the room. Because that was a small place, right? And so close oh, together. Uh. Seems like a COVID nightmare now, but, you know, those were different <laughs> times. But it is kind of nice to hear everybody. And so, uh, yeah, listen for that. And uh, also, in case you're not really wanting to hear Vintage or you want to hear another sermon that's much better on that. Mine was a good one. I'm, I'm not saying it's not. But I'm so inspired by James Allison's sermon on uh, today's text uh, that he's just he's been well you should turn me on to this uh, site Debbie of his that he's been doing all in the pandemic times what is it yeah praying 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 eucharistically yeah yeah and so he goes he does the whole I don't know he reads the text and then he has a a homily and um, really go there and listen for this week's homily because really it's beautiful. Makes me believe in Jesus. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it's my friend John Witten is the one that turned me on to that. But it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he keeps doing it even as the pandemic recedes. I do too, because it's so nice to see him every week. And I don't know if you've all noticed that occasionally we just record him reading the scripture for our scripture reader on our podcast. And that's where we're pulling that from. Uh, well, we're so grateful for all of you and for the House of Mercy community and the unique commitment it has to uh, asking questions and learning how to live out God's mercy in the world. So thank you. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, though we can't possibly see it quite like we see other things or know it like math, though we might long for it to be simpler or easier or more straightforward or uncomplicated, may we believe somehow, nevertheless, that you are alive, right in front of us, breathing your merciful breath into our faces, waiting for us to take it into our lungs. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Won't you please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 25, God Put a Rainbow in the Cloud. When God shut Noah in the grand old ark,
Egypt's sand God put a rainbow in the cloud Just to lead his children to the promised land God put a rainbow in the cloud God put a rainbow in the cloud God put a rainbow in the cloud When it looked like the sun wouldn't shine anymore God put a rainbow in the cloud Jordan deep and Jordan wide God put a rainbow in the cloud To lead his people to the other side God put a rainbow in the cloud. God put a rainbow in the cloud. God put a rainbow in the cloud. When it looked like the sun wouldn't shine anymore, God put a rainbow in the cloud. I invite you to join me now prayers of community. I'll end each prayer or petition with God in your mercy, and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, help those people throughout the world who are trying to accomplish something and who are having a hard time, whether from entropy or politics or because systems are so entrenched or even because they just get distracted. It is hard sometimes to change the world or clean the house. Give us life or love, just something to get us started. Give us and those around us in this city and the world the will to do justice. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, it would help to see how delighted you are with creation, how much you love what you made, all of it, how you don't grow tired of it and move on or give up, how you don't shun some and hold up others, how you regard none of it as insignificant. It would help us to see that you have, if not quite a plan, then at least some undying, hopeful possibility. May we know your love and mirror it in our words and deeds. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us to have good, life-giving relationships with our friends and spouses and parents and neighbors and children. Help us to be willing to struggle, to be uncomfortable if it might help, to not always settle for how it has always settled. Help us to ask questions, to be generous and patient and kind, to do something unexpected for each other, to not give up on knowing and being known, to practice resurrection. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we are not immortal. It's so obvious and hard to accept. May we embrace our humanness as you do, our fear and frailty, even sickness and even death. But help us believe somehow in the face of all this in undying, infinite love. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bring your love 
and healing to those who are struggling with sadness, mortality, broken bodies, spiritual, emotional pain. Hear our prayers for those who need healing and hope as we pause for silence. Help us know that you are a God of life, inexhaustible life and love and mercy. Remind us as we move throughout our days. Amen. Uh, today's scripture reading actually comes from John twenty nineteen through uh, 21. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which, were not, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. I'm glad you brought that up. This is Easter, and you're all going to die. This is the second Sunday of Easter, the Easter season, known also historically as the least attended Sunday of the year. I guess people feel like after bearing witness to the torture, execution, and resurrection of God from the dead to bring new life to the world, that they deserve a break like it was somehow hard on them. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. You know what? I'm glad I like the lowest attended Sunday of the year, you know? Because I can finally just tell the truth and not get stoned, right? Because, like, you can take it. 
This is. Are are you afraid to die? I mean, I. I guess. No, no. I guess that is what I meant. Um, did I mention that you're all gonna die? Yeah. Okay. It's nothing personal. I mean, I just wanted to, you know. Uh, Um, I'm sorry. Am I coming off a little hostile, maybe? A little bit defensive, maybe? I don't really mean, I don't really mean that I'm glad that this is the lowest attendance Sunday of the year, and I'm not really glad that some people aren't here. I guess I'm just, I am feeling a little bit defensive, you know? It's not, and it's not because people don't, didn't show up, you know, to church I don't, on Easter, this Sunday after Easter. I don't care. I mean, if you don't want to go to church, it seems like you shouldn't, you know? So I don't care about that. It's just like, um, it's this uh, death thing. I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable, I guess, um, about dying. See, as somebody pointed out, my birthday was this week, and I just turned 45. And I said to someone on my birthday that, well, I'm 45. I guess my life is uh, just about half over now. And they laughed. Like this was some big joke. Like, of course, you're never going to make it to 90. (laughs) You know? Like it was just an assumed thing. You know? So, my life is more than half over? Uh, How much more? I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing to talk about, actually. I don't know why, but it just seems weird to talk about, like, I'm getting old and I'm going to die. Yeah. I mean, saying this out loud is kind of, I don't know, I feel a little silly. Like, you know what, I'll be, uh, can I be honest with you? I mean, I do feel a little vulnerable, but I feel like this is a safe place. I can talk to you. Um, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Like, you know, maybe not ever, actually, you know? Um, I get scared sometimes when I think about dying. You know, and when I'm scared, it's weird. I think I'm, I'm different than other people this way. When I'm scared, I can sometimes act defensive. Even hostile, maybe. It's a fluke in my personality. So yeah, I come off a little hostile sometimes. And I mean, I'm sorry, I did not mean to take it all out on you. You know? I didn't mean to take it out on you. Especially because I know, I mean, you... You care about me, and I can, I can speak to you, and I can be vulnerable here with you, and you, you understand. And So I just want to say I'm sorry, and I'm glad that this is a safe place. So yeah, um, I'm going to die, and that kind of freaks me out, scares me. So, you know, what do I do, you know? I'm scared, and for, so the first thing I do is I get up here, and I say, this is Easter, and you're all going to die. It's not very nice, you know? 
So please know I was just feeling vulnerable about the fact that I'm going to die, so I had to say, well, you're going to die too. It's not just me. It's very immature. I'm really glad you're so understanding. And I, um, well, you know, I think I've probably talked about this long enough, okay? So, uh, wow, you know about this text tonight. This, some, this text, there's some weird things in this text. I mean, weird and interesting, you know? I mean, this text, you probably know, is commonly referred to as the Doubting Thomas story, which you've probably heard before, too, is very unfairly named. I mean, Thomas gets to go down in history as some sort of man of little faith, some negative example, some cautionary tale, just because he wasn't in the room the first time that Jesus showed up. I mean, the other disciples, they tell him that they have seen Jesus, and he says, I won't believe it. I won't believe it unless I see Jesus for myself. Well, this is really no different than the experience that the rest of the disciples had. I mean, they were all scared. They were hiding out. The text say, says that they had locked themselves in a house because they were afraid of the people who killed Jesus were going to come after them next to kill them. And then Jesus appears in their midst, somehow getting past the locked door. I don't know. This is one of those weird things in the text. It's kind of like he like materializes, you know. It's a weird thing, but it's interesting. Anyway, the other disciples, they didn't believe that Jesus had come back from being dead either until they saw him. So Thomas is really no different. The others have just already had the benefit of seeing Jesus. Jesus even, it says, breathes on them and says, I'm breathing the Holy Spirit on you. Receive it. He tells them that he's sending them out in the same way the Father had sent him. See, yeah, that part right there, that's interesting. Like, huh, that could be a whole sermon right there. What does that mean? But I'm not going to preach that sermon. Then Jesus tells them, if you forgive any sins, they will be forgiven. And if you retain any sins, they will be retained. Like, what is that about? You know, I mean, right there, what does that even mean? What does it mean to retain someone's sins? That could be a whole other sermon right there. I'm not going to preach that one either. But I am going to preach the one about Thomas and what he says and how uh, he meets Jesus and what Jesus says and what Thomas does. That one I am going to preach. You see, the disciples say, you know, we have seen Jesus. And Thomas, right here the text throws in the parenthetically that uh, Thomas is called the twin. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what, why. What is that about? Is it like some early attempt to correct the nickname, to get it right? Had the doubter nickname already stuck even before John wrote this down? He is called the twin, not the doubter. <laughs> I want to make that clear. No doubting. If Luke throws in the twin... Is that maybe must be because he is a twin? Where's the other one? You know? If Thomas has somebody else just like just like him, who is that? Is it me? Sorry, I'm kind of digressing a little bit. Yeah, but as long as I am. 
Can I get back to this death thing one more time? Just, like, do you really think it's true that all of our striving and making and doing is an attempt to deny death? Do you really think that our culture's obsession with youth, with being young, attempting to look young, is all about our fear of death? Aging leads inevitably to death. And we are freaked out by death. So we try to look like we're not getting old, like we're not going to die. I mean, not you. Not you. I know that you are very well adjusted and you are comfortable with who you are and how you look. And I'm not saying you look old. I'm not saying that at all. No, um, you look great. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even saying that you look great for someone your age. I'm saying that, you know, you're not, you're not even old. You're not old. You're very young. You're, you're young. Not that it's bad to be old, but you aren't. And that you look age-appropriately great, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I'm not talking about you when I say these things. I'm talking about other people. When I say all our attempts to accomplish things and be successful and be better than other people and to be noticed and to accumulate wealth is motivated by the fear of death. Some people say all fear is really a fear of death. I'm talking about me when I say that. Um, Maybe those of us who fear death fear it because it's this great, mysterious unknown. I mean, this is one of the most basic experience, right, of being human. We all know about it and that it's going to happen and that it happens all the time. But the observable, knowable part of death is of, like, ceasing to exist. I, I mean, I know forever humans have, have told stories about another part of death, about what happens after the body dies, like something continues to live on or life continues, even though it looks to all observers that it does not. Humans have always told stories about life after death. I mean, some people have like created whole religions based on it, you know? Based faiths on it. Based faith on the idea of a life after you die. And I guess that's really the only way you can talk about it, or the only way you can know it is by faith, because it's not observable. Faith, um, yeah. I uh, don't want to cease to exist. Is that... I I guess I can move on from the death thing. Um, and get back to Thomas. <sighs> I keep getting sidetracked by this, but you know, hey, at least I'm not being hostile and defensive again. Or was that a little defensive? Sorry, I don't want to die. Thomas says to his friends, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Does this seem like an outrageous thing to say? Do you think he really is considering sticking his finger into the wound, the weak, old, torn skin, shattered bone, torn muscles? 
Were, the, were these wounds, were they cleaned? Is there dried blood? Is the tissue, like, does it get hard? I don't know. Do you think he's really considering sticking his hand into the gaping wound, into Jesus' chest cavity? Maybe he's saying such an outrageous thing to point out how unlikely it is that this opportunity will present itself. Well, guess what? The twin, a week later, the text says, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them. Why does the author keep pointing out that Jesus is able to materialize out of nowhere or go through solid doors? Anyway, there's Jesus, and Jesus says, peace be with you. Because it seems like that's what Jesus always says in situations like this. Peace be with you. Then he looks Thomas in the eye, his own eyes moist, with a kind of half-smile on his face. He gently takes Thomas's left hand in his right, takes Thomas's index finger, and holds, it in, holds out his own left hand, palm up, and says, put your finger here, as he slowly puts Thomas's finger into the wound and pulls it out. And here, he says, lifting up his left arm above his head to expose the wound in his side and to open it up. And he takes Thomas's hand and he places it inside him, saying, this is my body given for you. And he holds Thomas's hands inside him. And he says, this is my body. These are the wounds that killed me. And though my body was given over to death, I returned, not having eliminated death, but taking it with me when I rose up. I have taken death with me, taken death inside of me. And he takes Thomas's hand out of his side, and one by one, he goes to all the disciples and takes their hand and places their hands in his wounds, saying, I have come to show you what death looks like. Death looks like me. That which you once feared has been remade, resurrected. Death looks like me. I have shown you this so that you might believe that death has no power over you, so that you might believe that I am the Son of God, come in love to embrace death, so that you might embrace life in my name. This is Easter, and we're all going to die. And in the acceptance of that death, we will live We are made alive in the acceptance and embrace of that death. This is Easter, and we are all going to live. Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. And I'm sure those people are. But they are not our people. 
They are not us because every week we take up the wounded body which contains and transforms death into fertile aliveness and we put the wounded body in our mouths and we drink the blood that no longer represents the loss of life but the beginning of a heightened, new, renewing life. Every week, we embrace the wounds and we are alive. On the night he was killed, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 14, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. beautiful heaven prepared for the pure and the free these truths in God's word he has given how beautiful heaven must be how beautiful heaven must be sweet home of the happy and free of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. The angels so sweetly are singing up there by the beautiful sea. Sweet chords from their gold harps are ringing. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be, sweet home of the happy and free, fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be, how beautiful heaven must be. Now may the grace of Christ and the love of God and the peace of the Spirit go with you and be with you. Amen.